Good evening, everyone. Here is another episode of Burn Bridges, brought to you by the Creative Catalyst. I'm your host, Michael Crown. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you all to Jennifer Janae. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael, for having me. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the space and the time to be able to to fight tooth and nail in a little bit and work around your schedule and trying to get you on here. But I'm very, very appreciative and um, definitely want to let the people know that they are in for a treat tonight. And um, we have a series of some topics we want to talk about and everything like that. So um, I am excited to talk to you. All right. So uh, let's see. Let's go ahead and get into it. Let's see. So can you tell the people, you know, who you are, where you're from? Yes, um, I'm Jennifer Janae Tom, originally uh, born in Texas, but grew up in Seattle. I have a lot of family members in the Louisiana area and uh, came to Atlanta maybe about 2002, almost 2003, and have been here ever since. I work as a a chef. I'm a mobile chef uh, throughout the Gwinnett County area, and um, I uh, specialize in Cajun and Caribbean cuisine. Oh, awesome. Okay. I know that I know in Atlanta, that's, that's a very hot um, type of food. That's, that's well demanded. So many restaurants, mm-hmm. so many places in Atlanta. I mean, I know that's, yep. that's a very prominent type of food. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how did you get into um, food? Like what, what sparked that passion for you to get into that lane? Well, just growing up, um, watching my mother and my grandmother um, and my aunties in the kitchen I was a little kid that used to hang around the kitchen, so I um, always had a passion for um, really good food, just the culinary. And when I when I got older, um, I decided to, you know, just kind of pursue that thing because I always had a love for it. Mm-hmm. So it, I guess it's just it's just in me. Okay, so it was homegrown. You know, that's where it came from from the source, and you yeah. basically blossomed into, you know, going through. So how is is it okay if I could ask you, like, how long have you been cooking for? Uh, about uh, 12 years now. Professionally? Mm-hmm. Professionally. Nice. Nice, nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so it is, um, I guess, safe to say that, you know, cooking and just the reactions of people, that's the thing that keeps you going. Or what is it exactly in that, in that process of the industry of food? What exactly keeps you going? Yeah, um, cooking is very relaxing, and um, people just love really good food. I mean, they just you their faces light up, and you could you could just tell how much they love really really good food. So I I mean I'm serving it. I love cooking it because it's relaxing, and I love eating it because I love to eat. I'm a Taurus, love to eat. But <laughs> then um yeah, just just serving people and and uh, attending gatherings and networking events and things like that. I mean they just they love when the chef shows up. <laughs> yeah, I think in almost every situation, if you have food, you, you know, whatever attitude somebody had, it's it's gone away. It's like that. That's oh, that yeah, one it thing. Them, it makes them feel a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah, you know, any event, any situation, it just makes the whole situation better. It's a bonding thing. You know, everybody eats mm-hmm. together, laughs together. It's a it's a prime fellowshipping situation. So that's. You bring happiness. You are a blessing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, okay. So, 
Um, you're the sole owner um, of your restaurant? Yeah, I'm the sole owner. I'm mobile. Okay. So, um, yeah. Okay, sole owner. Okay, so um, as you know, you know, the, you know, the name of the show is, you know, Burn Bridges. And just to kind of give you um, a light dive in, into it and where it comes from, you know, I've been a creative for a very long time. I, you know, I started very early and I've gone into a whole lot of different avenues, video, film, the whole situation, you know, graphic illustration, the whole situation. And um, in my journey of learning and picking up skills and things of that nature, the thing that always caught my attention was the fact that in the process of learning how to do something, you meet people, people come into your life for a season or two and they leave, but they exactly. never, they never leave completely empty. Mm -hmm. And it's always something left behind if it's a positive thing or if it's a very negative thing. And the thing mm -hmm. that interests me, you know, living in Atlanta was almost everybody who's remotely successful goes through something, but then they don't talk about it. It just happened and they let it die out and then they move on to something else. Yeah. And you go on social media and they're, you know, they're smiling, they're happiness like, oh, that, you know, you would think that a person is always happy, but there's something kind of eerie as to that person being happy, knowing mm -hmm. that they went through something that made them that strong person today. Right. So what my question to you is what were some of the things that you started to get into that you you know either partnered with someone or along the process that you've invested a lot of energy time money into something where it went left it went sour and just changed your perspective on it well um i guess i could i could take it back to when I first came to Atlanta, um, I was pursuing um, music. And so I worked with a lot of people behind the scenes and I had a few experiences where um, it was just a lot of negativity, I guess, going into the record labels and trying to get signed and, mm. and just not really, not really being taken seriously i guess a lot of a lot of the females in the industry go through this mm -hmm. but it, it's just it's difficult to um to get signed it's difficult to be taken seriously um a lot of people um just don't treat women very well in the music industry so mm -hmm. I've, I've had some, some issues and and have gotten into it with you know uh, a producer or two mm -hmm. so that kind of um, just change the way I approach relationships and business mm -hmm. and just, um, just, just a lot of, I guess, I guess you could say sexual harassment, just a lot of things like that, that I was going through. And um, oh. for, for a long time, for a long time, I was battling depression because, because of what I was dealing with and the type of people I was dealing with. And so that, that really, uh, uh, took a, took a big piece of me, took a big piece out of me just not being able to get what I needed in the industry and right. just, uh, yeah, it was, it was tough. So is it say that 
Um, Cause that sounds very familiar even, you know, in my own experience, it's like, it's almost as though as the people that don't take you serious, you know, woman or you know, what have you, just whomever doesn't take you serious, it's almost as though as they spoil the process of coming up right. for you. And they make you feel like, well, you shouldn't have been here in the first place. If you, if you are acting this surprised that I'm coming at you this way, then mm -hmm. maybe you should not have even been here. Right, right. And I, I think a lot of a lot of the 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 issue that that this particular person was having with me was I, I come from a hustling background. I come from Magic City, mm -hmm. and they knew they knew that I hustled. So that probably had a lot to do with it. Where she dances, so you know, of course I'm coming at you. What do you expect? That that's the kind of attitude this person had, and and, and what he actually said to me. Of course I'm coming at you. You know you, you know you shake all night in front of me, this that and the third, and I was just like, oh, mm -hmm. you know. So it was it was difficult for me to separate um, the fact that I hustled and then get them to take me serious as a recording artist and as a businesswoman because a lot of people just a lot of the same people that you are going to a lot of the gatekeepers that you're going to and asking for record deals or asking to help or put you on they're also in the clubs right so they knew who i was right yeah you know that that that's a weird thing as well because it's almost as though as you know that they've gone through something to be where they're at and then they gone through it and then they gone through it and then they gone through it and as you said you know they are gatekeepers because it's almost like it's impossible to go to another level without interacting with a certain kind of person right and if you're a woman or if you're just young and you happen to be just a little bit attractive and a little yeah. bit naive and a right. little bit hungry and a little bit eager to be out of your current situation to be in that next situation yeah. it's like you're the plump lamb to the slaughtering oh yeah most definitely it's expected you know it's, it's, mm -hmm. and i guess uh, i guess that's what a lot of a lot of people have to deal with when they're trying to level up mm -hmm. you know you're dealing with powerful people influential people and so you know i may have may have uh pissed a couple of guys off and it was it was interesting. I had to had to do some fighting. Oh, I, I I would definitely I would definitely say I would definitely say like yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure you pissed a couple of guys off because you probably they thought one way and then they probably was like, well I, I thought it was gonna go this way and it turns out that it yeah. didn't. So I would not put it past. You. I would be highly surprised if you told me that you oh I never pissed anybody off or oh. <laughs> everybody loved me see that's what you don't hear right right you know, or you shouldn't hear oh i've never right. pissed anybody off everybody's my friend like in a delusional world maybe right but, and this this particular person was like telling people you know don't with her she's this she's that so it was like a a, a subtle form of blackballing but it was so funny because it worked out in my favor because people would call me and well, Jennifer, what happened? You know, what? why is so-and-so saying this about you? And then they would end up helping me anyway. So I was like, what the hell? It, know, was, it was funny. It that's was funny. also a crazy thing. Um, there's been a lot of people in business and it's, it's, usually, it's weird because it's always personal, friend, business that kind of all interlink within each other where yeah. if you meet a person, they're either going to be in business, friendship, 
or a situationship but yeah. you'll it's hard to kind of really tell what it's going to turn out to in that instance is usually like okay well let me meet this person first mm -hmm. and then you'll find out okay this might be a situation or this you know, we might actually work together or mm -hmm. you know this might just be a friendship a harmless friendship cool and you know i can tell you even as a man as a young man you know early 20s being in certain situations because of the lane that i was in at the time you know i was i think i was working with a, a magazine a beauty magazine at the time so of course the arenas that i was in were beauty salons and who are in beauty salons women and in most cases there were always usually women who were either freshly divorced super single had current relationship issues or were just messy right mm -hmm. and let you be that one person who steps in who has no baggage no kids no terrible relationships like a clean slate right as a young man like that it's like women can just smell that it's like an aroma they just can tell but right. oh he's young i can do whatever and i don't have to suffer no repercussion cool i'm gonna go ahead and try to get myself in his life the same thing for right. a woman i think that you know if you're too it's like it's i know this is weird to say but it's like it's almost as if if you're too hungry or too eager to do something to get into something mm -hmm. it's like people use that against you yeah and they do it's like you you give off a bat signal yeah and they they take it as a they take it as a sign of you know what i can try her right so you can't be too eager you can't want it too bad Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it's so super strange. You know, you can't want it too bad because if you want it too bad, then, you know. They use that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I've only lived in main, you know, mainly two main cities in my life. And I, I was born and raised in California, L.A. We moved to Atlanta, the other part of my life. And majority of my issues with people, the majority of my business endeavors education everything like that spawned from the environment of atlanta not to down atlanta because there's a lot of great things in atlanta but there's a lot of landmines in atlanta in a grassy grassy beautiful field mm -hmm. you got to be careful where you step because you take one step it could be a win or you can take a step that'll set you so far back in debt, in time, in emotional stability. Exactly. You know, and I think one of the biggest things in Atlanta is the stigma that people of color do not like to pursue help in the sense of mental health. Mm hmm. And I feel like because that that's the case, a lot of people put their issues and problems off to you. So whatever they're going through, they'll take it out on you and you freshly move into a city, not knowing anybody. You know, 
they push their their baggage off to you and you're sitting here looking like wow well this is a this is a heck of a of an entrance you know how am i to think of this and you don't want to put that same experience or that same eye on the entire city because all of Atlanta is not like that right you know so um i didn't know that about the music though like was that was that something that was just like a, a momentous thing or was that something that you actually had like a a plan no i actually actually had a plan i was i've, I've always been you know into the arts the music mm-hmm. the um theater uh film uh sketch comedy writing that's always been my thing oh, wow okay yeah that was, that was my whole reason for coming to atlanta just kind of mm-hmm. um just get a record deal okay so basically almost like the the same premise of if somebody were to go to LA to become an actor. Right. Okay. Right, right. And you're not wrong. You're not wrong for that because again, if you are in any kind of music, it almost always seems that Atlanta is that place for that. Mhm. And if you can only avoid being around too many of the wrong people or just too many people in general, it's almost as though as you would do very, very well. Yeah, and therein lies the dilemma. Yes. <laughs> It does. And it's weird because it's very hard to stay antisocial in Atlanta mm-hmm. for too long. Right. You know, um, but along with that, if you ever think about it, almost everybody in history that has done something incredible, something amazing, something noteworthy that is still in the history books have all had some kind of screw loose, something wrong with them, some blemish, some bruise. They had something. They were never squeaky clean. Right. And isn't it kind of yeah, funny? We all, we, all have a, we all have a story, a backstory. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's interesting to me that it's almost as though as greatness, one of the ingredients is issues. Mm-hmm. You know, you could never go into something perfect, unbothered, mm-hmm. level-headed exactly. So, when you got into cooking, and what, I guess, what encouraged you or gave you just the overall, the strength to want to pursue traveling with cooking versus the traditional brick and mortar? Well, I... I uh worked in the, the actual brick and mortar. I did the hotels. I did the Applebee's. I washed dishes at Applebee's. I, I worked at the um, um, the Georgia Terrace, downtown Atlanta, and just mm-hmm. did, did a lot of their parties and worked, you know, and serving a lot of their guests at the hotel. And um, I like my freedom. I like being able to travel and create my own schedule. And, you know, less you know, politics. It's just, it's, it, yeah, something about... It's something about having your own and just just doing your own thing and creating your own menu. It's just different. But when you are working in a um, in an actual, I guess, working for a company, you have to you have to stick to their menu, and you know they don't pay you very very much. Mm-hmm. But, you know that's an issue as well. But um, I just I just really enjoy my freedom and creating my own schedule, my own menu, everything. I get to cook what I want to cook when I want to cook. 
it's just it's just different when you when you have your own thing yeah there's a there's a type of pride of having your own mm-hmm. and the thing about when you know you know for our people not many of us had our own mm-hmm. so when we get our own we want to hold on to it as much as possible so in that process of acquiring your own what were some of the roadblocks or the speed bumps that you hit uh some of the roadblocks uh just dealing dealing with some of the management in the culinary field they if they if you if you get hired um as a cook in some places um if they see that you're talented sometimes management will um do little things like make sure that you stay in the department that they want you to stay in so if if there is a a, a job opportunity for you to uh, get promoted and go to a different part of the company management will play little games behind the scenes and say things and you you won't even realize that a job opportunity has mm-hmm. slipped or promotion has slipped through your fingers because management is behind closed doors making sure that they keep you where you are so they kind of manipulate and control um whether or not you can elevate in the company so essentially had, they would yeah, stifle I had, you I had, several, I had several opportunities come my way and i you know i agreed to go ahead and, and transfer to a different part of the company and then all of a sudden i never heard about it again and i was like oh, that was strange and it was it was because somebody in management mm-hmm. used their influence and made sure that i stayed where i was wow that's yeah that's I, very I political it, it happened a couple of times wow i think and and this is just going off of just my own understanding i think that in that particular that particular lane it's almost as though as you really have to try to stifle somebody to keep somebody from doing something mm-hmm. you know especially if they are naturally talented naturally something it's like mm-hmm. you really have to go out your way to make that person stay where they're at and try to hinder them as much as possible it's not like something that you can just you know with very little effort oh i don't have to do much that's it boom mm-hmm. and that person won't go anywhere that's interesting though Mm-hmm. you know and yeah, I know- they, they play a lot of games they 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 get behind closed doors they huddle up in their offices it's mm-hmm. real interesting just watching i sit and I, I observe so you know that happened one too many times and i just bowed out gracefully and i i sent a letter to you know to hr and was like hey you know thank you for the opportunity and you know i'm going in another direction i was just real cool about it I'm, I'm not confrontational when i see things like that i just bow out gracefully you know, growing up, that was something that, you know, my mom has always told me, you know, out of a lot of the negative things that I've seen in my childhood and my life. One of the main things were no matter where you go to, make sure you do not burn the bridge that was created for you at that time. Even if things don't go the way they were supposed to be and where the, the way that they were meant to be, it's mm-hmm. always best to leave on a good note to where if you ever have to come back so i became an adult and 
got into business and mm -hmm. I think, what is it? I think I made my first professional dollar at 17, you know, and mm. I myself, I know I'm almost 13, but now I'm almost 30. I'm sorry. Almost 30. <laughs> and um, even somewhat as a kid, it was kind of like I got introduced to the professional world in Atlanta very young without not without knowing, you know, money management without knowing what partnership was percentage partnership mm -hmm. without knowing what contracting is you know handshake deals um not knowing anything not knowing that it wasn't enough to just be talented you know that you also had to have a, a sense of a, a sense of street knowledge but also a sense oh, yeah. of book knowledge as well because oh yeah you got to be street smart Yes. You gotta be can't be book smart and not be street smart. And the weird thing about it is you can be book smart, but the book never teaches you how to apply it to the streets. So exactly. that's why you got to balance it. You got to know when to pull what card at what time and how long you need to hold on that card. It's like a card game, mm -hmm. a life. Exactly. You know, I use this analogy a lot. Um, it took me a long time to learn how to play spades right and it seems like spades is like the the go-to of any kind of black group conf like conference get together anything like that spades game is almost always the go-to and as i was learning how to play it was weird because i was like you know what this this game is like life because no matter what ways you decide to shuffle the cards you're dealt a hand and you're expected to play that hand and win without mm -hmm. knowing if you will win and i'm like this is weird because this is just like life and i played the game like life and weirdly enough i was winning a lot and i made a lot of people unhappy so um i guess along with that analogy is is it's like hearing you say that, you know, you, you know, you bowed out gracefully and you, you made, you made your departure and now you've tasted the, the good life on the other side of, well, this is what it feels like to have my own. I like having my own. I like being my own boss. I like controlling my own, you know, calling my own shots as a boss. And I know that term is used very loosely out here in these streets, but being a boss can you share with us some gems that a lot of people do not know that's overlooked and highly underrated um i guess i would say uh, build your relationships very important um surround yourself with uh people who inspire you to be a better person um just uh what else what else work hard give back to the community i mean that's mm -hmm. that's just what i do what i do and that's that's good that's a lot of people don't really hear that enough they usually hear like the usually the cliche type of stuff and it's usually based off of like the image appeal you know a lot of people see oh entrepreneur business owner 
oh, you know, she looks, you know, she's going to these events and this and that, whatever. And they only take part of just the, the glam side of it. Right. But they don't understand that behind the scenes, if yeah. you are not organized, if you don't know how to manage nothing, if you don't know how to conduct good business, that right. glam is out the window before it started. Right. You got to plant your seeds. You got to do the work. Nobody owes you anything. Mm -hmm. All of that. So one of the things that, you know, I, I've seen quite a bit, you know, on social media and just with tagged photos and even some videos and everything like that. I've seen you at quite a bit of um, like women empowerment events, networking mm -hmm. events, things like that. And, you know, like, almost like red carpet type of situations. Yeah. Um, so what is that like either being one of the few people in the food industry going into a networking situation and attempting to connect with people outside of your lane? Well, it's, it's wonderful opportunities because you, you meet, um, you meet some of the, some of the most influential people at these events and mm -hmm. they come over they're interested in in what I'm doing. They're interested in the food. They like the food, and we strike up conversations. I, I mean, I've made a lot of friends just being in the culinary field. Mm -hmm. I've met a lot of people and built a lot of relationships, and they refer me to their friends. So it's it's like a it's a network, and mm -hmm. a lot of people running in the same circles. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows everybody. So I mean, it's just they they embrace me. And then other doors end up opening up. I have a lot of opportunities with sketch comedy, with mm. uh, you know music, with with uh, film, and it's just uh, the the culinary field has kind of helped me bridge the gap mm -hmm. um, with, with entertainment. Yeah, because it seems like you know anybody in any kind of field they need to eat. So mm -hmm. you can yeah, essentially go anywhere. Food. If you're bringing good food, that's even better. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it seems like you can almost blend in any circle. Yeah, that's what that's pretty much how it feels. And that's a great lane because it almost essentially makes you bulletproof of recession. Almost. Mm hmm. You know, because yeah, people got to eat. They got to eat. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and you know what? Whenever, uh -huh. whenever all those businesses started shutting down because of COVID nineteen and everything, I didn't miss a beat. I kept moving. Really? Yeah, I kept moving. It, it, it was like wow. I, I wasn't in, I wasn't in a building. So I'm mobile. I'm all over the place. People are hiring me. I'm just, I didn't miss a beat. So that was, that's another wonderful thing about being mobile. Yeah, that is a blessing. You know, I've already, you know, I've spoken to a few people. You know, interviewed a few people and. You know, they have their different perspectives as to how, you know, COVID influenced them. And if it wasn't financial, it, it was usually, you know, I don't know, that's a weird year. It usually it, it caused them that if they were in a business relationship with somebody. 2020 opened their eyes to see whether they need to stay in that relationship with that person or they need to move forward. Exactly. So it, it was like a weird universal shock to everybody that hey do i need to go on my own or do i need to build a closer bond with the person that i'm working with because 
you know, this is serious. This is real. Yeah. You know, there are some people who are shut down and are never coming back. Exactly. You know, and to be fortunate to be in a situation and a lane to be able to make people happy, I think right there, you know, is not only a walking testimonial, but in a walking testimony, it's it's that's awesome. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the rarity of you walking away and somebody's pissed off is slim. I would think it's slim <laughs> to none, but I'm sure you're going to have that one person who's going to be difficult. It's, a, it's always one. Always going to be one. You know, everything can never be truly perfect. Right. <laughs> then I give them something to eat and they're fine. They're happy again. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, everybody's had, you know, disgruntled customers and things like that. What was what was one of those those customer client situations that was either so bad that you had to contemplate keep going cooking? It almost made you want to quit. I was I wasn't cooking. I was I was serving as a hostess at the Cheesecake Factory. Okay. And um, we had to we had to seat the guests as they came in, you know, where they, they, they would be on the, uh, the waiting list. And, um, I know there was this, this guy came in with his date and I brought them to their table and he just had a really nasty attitude and came back to the front desk and was mad about, uh, I guess waiting for his food. I don't, I can't even remember what his, his argument was, but he was mm-hmm. taking it out on me. And I'm standing there trying to talk to him and management comes over and, and they're like, well, what's going on? And, you know, he's, he's got this nasty attitude in front of everybody. And I just, that was one of those days I was just like, I was ready to leave the cheesecake factory. I don't want to, you know, deal with this rude guy and his, his foolishness in front of everybody. I wasn't cooking. I was just hosting at that particular time. Okay. But he, was, he, was just, he was just really loud. His restaurant full of people and he was just yelling I guess because he had to wait on his food. I don't know what his what his beef was. So was it like one of those situations where he just felt a bit entitled? Yeah, he he had this arrogance about himself. Oh, so he just felt like he shouldn't have to wait on nobody. It was a really busy night at the restaurant, so I was just like, okay, you know, he has to wait. He has to wait like everybody else. But we were busy. Yeah, and I I do love cheesecake. Uh, I do. You know, the dessert and the restaurant. And I know anybody that goes there are already on some kind of level of bougie. So if yeah, you have that kind of attitude. Yeah, we're on the holidays too. So, you know, they were packed. Oh, yeah. And then that adds <laughs> on to it. That adds on yeah. to it. So he was probably entitled. He was probably, you know, feeling like, you know, people should be falling to his whim because he's paying mm-hmm. kind of thing. And was he by yeah. himself? No, he was he was with his date. Oh, okay. So that's basically putting on in front of the date, uh-huh. trying to you know putting on a macho situation to just show off. You know, there's a lot of that. There's a lot. I of guess that. so. So, in the in the business realm, you know, let let's put a put the food to the side a little bit. So in business, um. But a lot of people misconstrue when it comes down to what branding is. You know, that's something that I um, 
you know, I preach very heavy on. A lot of people really don't understand what it is. When people hear branding, they only want to make it synonymous to a logo. But in true, in true effect, branding is more so when people hear your name or in your case, when they taste your food or when they experience just your overall courtesy. Mm -hmm. To you, what would be your definition of branding if you were to go in a new place, new event situation where people are just now getting to know you? What are some of the things people can get a piece of you as a brand before they've even seen or done or experienced anything that you do? Well, I like to go into the event with uh, my my marinade line that I've created. So oh. I come in there with with all of my um, my jars of my sauces. I have an oxtail sauce, a fish sauce, a tartar sauce. So um, when I whenever they come to my table, they see uh, my product out on the table, and that's like a conversation starter right away. Oh, and then and of course I give them samples. Nice. Of whatever you know, whatever the sauce is, I give them samples of whatever the food is I'm serving that day. So that that helps. Samples are good. Samples are good. And mm-hmm. I think I think that's a perfect um a perfect natural situation because people are gonna ask, Well, what is this? And then it mm-hmm. automatically opens up and it, it kinda cuts out that awkward, Well, we're we're both here at this event, you're standing over there, I'm standing over here, and we managed to mm-hmm. catch eye contact. We both want to say something, but we don't want to be the first person to say it. Yeah. You know, so that they're, that's good. They're that immediately, yeah, they're immediately curious. When you bring products with you, <laughs> they, they're curious and they want to come over and talk about it. And then they, and they've purchased some but, and took some home with them. So in media, in media, you know, have you done anything? Um, was it anything outside of um, just music wise or did you ever want to kind of go into tv television show film anything like that oh yeah i've done a lot of television a lot of uh, film work behind the scenes i've done production and i've also been um um, in front of the camera as well got you okay so what um what were some of the things i guess that you picked up that you can apply to food in that in that realm as far as how that machine works you said how I, how I can apply to food. Yes, just in the in the overall food food um running the food business, you know, coming from another lane. How could you apply that? Um, I guess uh, a lot of a lot of times the 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 productions need uh catering services, so I come mm-hmm. in there and. I, you know, I asked them, you, do you guys uh, need a caterer on the set? Um, I mean, I, I've been able to work either as an actress or as a caterer. Oh, so you was when just you, yeah. situated to where you could get in either way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In Atlanta, that's valuable. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely valuable. You know, um, like so being in those kind of um fortunate situations you know it's safe for me to assume that you know you've gotten um acquainted to a lot of people you know you've Mm -hmm. been in a lot of different circles you know and as well as travel to a lot of different places you know we're there Mm -hmm. 
where there's some moments where things got so overwhelming that you either you know contemplated expanding or is that something that's in the future down the line or you're comfortable where you're at right now um i do want to expand i i want to um i've been inspired to do like a um a culinary line i want the i want the kitchen uh, appliances i want mm. the um the chef jackets the signature chef jackets with the matching hats and the aprons um so i, I am thinking about expanding expansion i think when anytime that i've ever heard anybody um talk about cooking i think it's only maybe they may not go quite towards the sauce but mm -hmm. it's usually something super super introductory like you know like maybe a baked good but you almost never hear cookware or yeah. the, the clothing like that is really incredible because you never think of that yeah i think i think that would be great you know and I, it's just something about you know you know a chef in uniform clean and the food's good it's kind of like hey it's hard to really be mad at that you know right somebody professional nice on the eyes and the food's good and the atmosphere and the professional it's just the whole package of the right. situation is just right. right you know and that's important that's important that you said the whole package yes yeah. everything has every everything has to be right everything has to be in line so do you usually have helpers if you ever you know you cater somewhere and it's a pretty hefty big situation do you usually have helpers yeah i definitely have some people in the culinary circle that i can call on we all we all kind of know each other and work together they call they call me and ask me to come and help their events and then i call them and ask them to come to come and help with mine yeah that's a great that's a great industry um that actually kind of kind of sort of reminds me of the tattoo industry is like that a little bit without the competition so much mm -hmm. It's very much like that as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you are amongst people that you happen to, you know, you respect the lane that they're in um, and you all have been working for quite some time that if you ever are in a pinch, it's nice to be connected to where you can just call somebody and boom, you're connected. You're good to go. You're not left to have to fend for yourself so much right and it's good to know that you can call on someone and you're not out there all by yourself <laughs> yeah it can, it can get pretty overwhelming i can imagine in, in a big city especially if you're in and it's well connected and you know that if you are assisting in this event and it's either a make or break type of situation where it's expected mm -hmm. for you to do a really good job because there's a high chance that you can eat again the yeah. next time. Yeah, and I had I had to learn to st stop trying to do everything all by myself and to ask for help. I had to learn that. I used to try to be superwoman and do everything all by myself. Well, I could tell, I could probably tell without really going in and actually like guessing, but you seem like you are a stickler for detail a stickler for things being in order and you seem like you have like if you know something's supposed to go down a certain kind of way you're going to stick to it 
and let that be law. Mm-hmm. So has that been really any kind of cases that you've lost your cool during production process, planning behind the scenes situation? No, I, I, I exercise a lot of self-control. Yeah, so, now behind the scenes, behind the scenes, I might, you know, when mm-hmm. I when I get there myself, I might talk about somebody behind their back. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, we all but, do. Uh, no shame in it. Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, I try to keep a lot of self control and, and not not blow up in front of people. It's just not cool. It's just uh, it's embarrassing. So no, I haven't had any any crazy situation. I keep my sense of humor too. That's important. That's another thing. I keep my sense of humor. Isn't it hard? It is hard. It is hard. But I, I've learned, you know, you got to keep your sense of humor. You're dealing with some some, some of everybody here in the, in the city of Atlanta. You're yeah, dealing with all walks of life out here. It's, 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 call it a melting pot is an, is an understatement because I, I believe it's so much more when you just throw. It's like you throw in a bunch of random ingredients in a pot stir it up and you and it's expected to taste good but then it has all different kind of flavors that just keep coming at you i call it gumbo isn't it just like gumbo it is gumbo got a bit of everything in it Mm -hmm. you got a bit of everything but um you know i can tell you from the creative lane of being with photographers and videographers and other designers and painters and things like that in that lane is not so much camaraderie in the sense of okay we respecting each other we're going after the same thing um the value that we're seeing that hey if we're both trying to win let's try to win together is more of a i'm trying to win and i'm trying to take it from you wow and i know every industry is not like that but in this particular one, it's very much like that. And you have a lot of people who are, you know, they do a bunch of things. Every time you talk to them, you ask them, oh, yeah, I do that. I do that, too. Oh, yeah, I do that. Mm-hmm. It's like they want to take everything that a person possibly will need to make it seem like I'm all of what you need. You don't need to go to nobody else. Come to me. I'll handle everything. But. Mm-hmm. They may not be a specialist in that. Right. If, if they can't handle it, they'll end up flopping and then boom, burn that bridge and then crashes and burn before it even got off the ground. Right. Um, and, you know, with speaking on that, you know, being a jack of all trade to me throughout the years, I have picked up things along the way because I didn't have the privilege of knowing somebody that could do that. So I figured, you know what? Let me pick up this. Let me play with this a little bit. Let me see if I can do it. Because I didn't want to wait on nobody or I couldn't wait on nobody. So you like self-taught? Predominantly, I can tell you I'm predominantly self-taught. I have, mm-hmm. you know, probably out of the percentage of what I know, formal education has a very small percentage of the majority of years that I've been doing what I do. Because going back to what we said, you can be book smart, but knowing how and when to apply those smarts 
from the pages, it's almost you got to throw the book away because in the real world, that stuff really does not apply. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and it's crazy to even say that because you don't want to say education is a waste. It's not. But then when you apply it to real world, when it comes time for you to make a living, you know, mm-hmm. make a real wage, it's almost like you got to throw that book away and go do something else to get your mind in the position to be able to handle this real world situation in front of me right now. Right. I think um, in relation to your lane and my lane, I think the the one biggest project that I was asked to come a part of was it was a buddy of mine who was a chef and he worked at a sports bar and he had developed an, a, a type of everything sauce I thought it was a joke when he first told me about it back then and this is many years ago and he's like oh no you got to try it I'm like uh okay whatever boom threw it on some wings threw it on some salad threw it on some fish I fell in love with it so much that I decided I'm like listen you have to make me make this Lego this label I don't care you just hook me up with a 20 piece of wings and I got you because this <laughs> sauce is bomb this is ridiculous it was that good it was that it was ridiculously good and when he said everything sauce I was like it was it was a dipping sauce for fries it was a dipping sauce for tenders it was ridiculous mm-hmm. and it was it was crazy because he thought I was joking and I was like nah you know what I'll be back while you cooking my wings I'll be back left and right around the corner I was working um, a project with a fashion designer this was downtown Atlanta so you already you can you can tell it was hot it was it was already you know busy I think it was around the time where there was just a lot of creative people moving shaking making things happen so I think it took me like maybe like maybe four hours. I know I was super late. Four hours. My plate of wings was already cold. So oh, wow. by the time that I was done, I waited till closing time. I came back and I showed him like a, a super, super rough concept of what I wanted to do with the, um, you know, with the sauce. So I was like, you know, you remind me of a character, like a cartoon character. You know, you feisty as a person as it is, you know, you pop off at people. And since your sauce has a kick to it, I want to make you a chili pepper. Man busted out laughing. (laughs) He busted out laughing because and then some other people around me, they didn't know what I was talking about. And I was like, trust me, I showed him it kind of got it. And then that kind of showed me like, you know what? You can't always show people a half baked idea. Sometimes you got to show them here's the whole concept mm-hmm. you know because everybody's not going to cap- capture your vision like that so right. um i finished the, the sauce label and immediately that that became something that was just super super incredible but the thing that kind of stifled it was he slowed down his motivations as far as trying to take the sauce label somewhere mm-hmm. and i was like yo my man like why are you slowing down like you got the label like we just got to get this thing printed like dude slap this on some bottles and let's let's get this going mm. apparently um either the people that he was dealing with 
he didn't have a supportive team behind him. I'm pretty sure it was just, you know, being around the wrong people who are not as driven as you. Right. You, you know, it kind of takes away from your motivation. Right. It's important to, to um, be be mindful of the circle that you have around you, your support system. For sure. And even at that time, I didn't know. I thought it was all him. I didn't know if it was anybody else. So we, you know, lost communication um, for like a good summer years. Good summer years. The last time that I um, that I actually like, heard from him, he hit me up. Mike, I got a restaurant. And I'm thinking, I'm like, this man, it's like he, he won the lottery or something like that. Like he didn't struck gold, sauce labeled and took off. And he didn't, he decided to like franchise. Mm -hmm. So he opened up a diner and I'm thinking, I'm like, yo, this man is about to become wealthy. Cause if he's gonna, if he's gonna channel and traffic that sauce, it's over. It's, mm -hmm. it's over. And there was something about when you believe in somebody else's passion more than they believe it. That should be a red flag, but then mm -hmm. it shouldn't. You, you get what I'm saying? Right. You can't, you can't want more for someone than they want for themselves. Right. And, but it's like deep down inside, you can't help it, but you almost have to restrain your excitement for that person. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, as I'm telling you, I didn't do that. I I think I went in very, very deep, too deep. You know, the diner that he had needed a whole lot of cosmetic work. So I was like, you know what? He called me in and he's like, Mike, I need you to, you know, he asked for something small. Help me with my menu. And I was like, well, let me take a look at the restaurant. When I took a look at the restaurant, he needed so much stuff done overall. I was like, mm -hmm. you know what? Because you need so much stuff done, I want to partner with you. Now, I don't know nothing about food, but I love eating it. And we're going to start from there. I love eating it. And I can take pictures and I can make it look good on print and on web. Mm -hmm. So let's partner. And then that way we both can eat like kings. So where I went wrong was that. He agreed with everything that I said, but we got nothing on paper. Mm. And I outfitted his entire restaurant with custom canvases, huge canvases, like four foot by eight foot canvases. Yeah. A bunch of them, some small, some large. And because it was a restaurant, the art was art. It was food oriented. So it was it was something super eclectic that when you went in, it didn't feel like a diner. It felt like an exquisite restaurant in Buckhead. When I got done with it, you know, I had I fixed the lighting. The lighting situation was on point to where the spotlights hit the art just right. That menu was sexy. I'm talking about everything was legible. You can have a low light restaurant and still be able to read the menu. OK, mm -hmm. um, I think I did everything but create his website and the website was going to be the last thing. And what was funny was that he had his daughter work along as far as the the technical stuff, because he didn't really know much about the technicals. He had her work alongside and she felt like, well, 
we can't pay Mike right now. So the least that I can do is at least feed him as he's putting in this sweat equity. Because, you know, he was cooking and stuff like that. So she would basically hook me up with free food. You know, okay. I'm not going to turn down a free plate. So I'm like, that was, and the food was good. So I'm like, this is double awesome. Mm -hmm. So I had a whole lot of passion for it. And then I find out that she tells me that he started to kind of pull her off to the side. And he was telling her, hey, like, why are you, why you keep giving him free food and whatnot? Like, you, you know, you're too nice. Wow. Which was weird because I felt like he should have talked to me directly because I didn't know his daughter. I knew him. And he was telling her that she was being too nice by willing to make sure that I'm at least comfortable as I'm working, putting in this sweat equity. Right. And, and, it, was, and it was, it was, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't, um, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with, with mm -hmm. him giving you food. I mean, if you're putting in the sweat equity, what, what's the problem with feeding you? That's the thing that made it weird because yeah, what's, what's the problem? Right. It was like, well, we're both not making money right now and I'm breaking my back and I'm creating artwork that I've never created before. And I'm basically the, I'm the quarterback in this. I had a couple of guys that were helping me, but you know, they were a couple of years younger than me. So I was kind of like a mentor. So I'm literally almost the only guy in there out of a few people. I was the most serious. I came in to the, I came into this partnership with the most. And that's why mm -hmm. I messed up. You know, I came into the relationship with the most. And, you know, he started to kind of get a little weird on me. You know, mm -hmm. a little funny because he was kind of figuring, yo, I'm, I'm racking up a bill with Mike, but I don't quite know how to talk to Mike about it because I know I'm mm -hmm. racking up a bill. But, okay. But with me, I didn't really think of it like that because I knew like, hey, if we get an awesome restaurant and I'm a partner, I'm going to eat anyways. I just want this thing to be successful because it was black business. Mm -hmm. I just wanted us. I just wanted us to win. You know, and I was authentic about it. I wasn't expecting no kind of payment on the front end. I wasn't expecting no kind of. I'm like, oh, you owe me. I'm just going to keep receipts and then bill you later. It wasn't even like that because I just mm -hmm. believed in what he was doing. And then I loved his food. And I think I I fell too deep. I think mm -hmm. so. Um, but fast forward through all the politics, um, the restaurant flopped. Wow. It And when I tell you it flopped, it crashed on the runway as it was trying to take off. Hmm. Crash. Why did, why, did, why did it crash? I can tell you this. It crashed because they did not have a business plan. Hmm. At all. They did not have a business plan. Um, his daughter financed the situation as far as um, in her name, in her credit, getting a loan to get the down payment to even lease the building. He had nothing tied to him directly. He had no direct investment. So mm -hmm. when the building flopped, she took that 
L with the credit and the financial aspect of it. I took a flop because I created a whole lot of artwork. I had a whole lot of video, a whole lot of stuff that even if we, even if I had walked away later on, I would have used that video content to get paid off later on, you know? Um, so I was going to get something out of it anyways, because that's, you know, this is what I was thinking, but the, it, the place flopped and it was at the time where I was going in there, putting in work for this artwork almost every day. Mm-hmm. And the guys that I was working with were re- very immature. They, they didn't really bring much to the pot. I was financially, um, vouching for them. I think I wasn't even eating well because my appetite wasn't there because I was frustrated. Mm-hmm. I was losing sleep. So I was sleep deprived and I wasn't eating right. So I got sick a lot mm. and I got very angry and I got very irritable because I started to figure out like I snapped a few times. I think I actually it was like one of the moments that I actually lost my cool. I snapped at everybody. Everybody was laughing. Ha ha he he. I'm in the back cutting into a canvas sanding it down and i'm hearing everybody in the front of the diner laughing and joking and i'm in the back hotter than a slave sanding down something because i want this place to become something Mm -hmm. so i snapped you know i cussed everybody out flat out i cussed everybody then then you're the bad guy oh yeah and the thing about it was (laughs) You know, they, they kept on like, Mike, Mike, if you need help, just tell us. And I'm sitting here like, you mean to tell me I got to tell you that I need help when I brought you on here in the first place? Mm-hmm. I, I think I called them everything under the sun aside from a child of God. Oh, wow. I I got evil. I got evil because when you it's like when you play with my passion and my emotion Mm -hmm. and my authentic love for something and I decide to share that with you and you play with it. I get evil and I hate I hate that I hate to let somebody take me out of that element. But that's what that did at that time. Mm -hmm. And I got evil and I I I know that feeling. Yeah. And it, it took me out so far. Eyes went dark. I just, you know, everybody looked at me different. Like, Mike, what happened to you? Because this is not you. And I think I, I packed up my stuff and I dipped. I, I got out of there. I just left. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm about to go. Mm-hmm. You know, and I left. And I don't think I came back for a couple of days now was pivotal as to what happened that when i left took a break rested up tried to get my health back right because it didn't seem like nobody cared about it i find out that the place closed up the landlord kicked them out they had to pack up my artwork and whatever i had in the building and they had to get everything out Artwork was scattered in the wind. Some of my art pieces were locked up in the diner. So some of those were left. And when I came back, nobody told me that things went as far left as it did. 
Mm. Everybody kind of. Were you ever able to retrieve your artwork? No, not even to this day. And that was more than a few years ago. Um, I think that was like now going on three, almost four years now. I never, I still to this day do not own no pieces of those artworks. I just have photographs. You didn't and, go to the landlord about it? Now, the thing about the landlord is I never met the landlord directly, but from what, how they painted him, the landlord seemed as though as they were a slumlord. Oh, wow. So, yeah, one of those situations. So it's like, oh, so this is how y'all got a good deal on the place mm -hmm. in the first place. I knew something was too good to be true because when was the last time somebody let a black person have that much restaurant? Okay. <laughs> so, you know, little, little, little politics in, in there a little bit. So, um, yeah, when they shut down shop, it literally was like the place was like cleaned out. And by yeah. the time that I found out about it, it was like, you know, the daughter, you know, she had had about half of my artwork. Her father, the owner of the restaurant, he had the other half of my artwork and everything like that. Um, Everybody went their separate ways. Everybody put my artwork in storage and. Not to say that they didn't want to give me the artwork, but they weren't volunteering it back to me. Mm. So as it was kind of looked at as, oh, we're protecting your artwork, but y'all not really trying to give it back. So there was that dynamic. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's unfortunate that that happened. I know that took a big piece out of you. It did. It definitely did. And, you know, even though that this was business, even though we were, you know, I was friends with the owner, it started out as we're two passionate men, happen to be friends, but we happen to want to go into business together. Mm -hmm. um, this was something that kind of taught me that, you know, how you can't mix business and pleasure. One of the guys that I had brought on board with me was my flesh and blood cousin. Um, the other guy that I had was a friend of mine. So that was already biased, you know. So when you work with family, work with friends, you kind of already know if money's on the table or money's not on the table, people's real colors come out. Oh, yeah. And, you know, just to not get too, too convoluted, I found out people were sleeping with each other during the whole working process of the, you know, the whole business arrangement. No, you know that. And I'm sitting here like, and this is all when the owner of the restaurant wasn't even there. So this stuff was happening behind his back, behind my back. What happening? They sleeping with each other in the restaurant? No, no, no. Um, Just away from the restaurant. One of the guys, one of the guys that I had brought on started to sleep with the owner's daughter. Okay. Who was married. Okay. And that was an interesting dynamic because the husband was around. A little, little bit but of soap opera thing going on. A little soap opera. It was strange. It was very much soap opera. Very much love and hip hop type of thing. But it was like, I'm like, how do every how does everybody around me know what's going on? And I'm the one that basically created the contract, created the whole situation. I'm the one that brought everybody together. Mm-hmm. And at the very, very end, which didn't happen to like another month later, when I finally found out what happened, everybody's gone on the wind. Everybody's so scattered that I don't even have anybody to pop off to and vent and catch anybody by the neck because they already are scattered. Nobody mm -hmm. wanted to tell me anything. And, you know, it just 
I learned a lot from that situation and I was angry from that situation for a very long time. And yeah. I think majority of the lessons that I got out of that was, you know, be careful when you put your heart on your sleeve, because if people see it, they're going to want to cut it. They're going to want to cut into it. They're going to want to take a piece of that because they see that you love what you do. Mm -hmm. So they're going to prey on you love what you do. So let's take advantage of that. Let's try to use as much of it as possible. And maybe you, he, you, know, hmm? you know what I, you know what I take from that, Michael. Yeah. People people come into your life either to test you, to teach you, to use you, or to make you a better person. Yes. That's what I take from that. When when I see an experience like that. Very true. And of course, you know it's hard to take a lesson when it freshly happened. You know. At the time, mm -hmm. you, you weren't trying to listen to nothing. You know, you weren't trying to take anything from it. And it wasn't till a couple of years later that I actually truly learned to, you know, forgive the situation, forgive mm -hmm. them. You know, um, years later, I actually talked to the daughter. She told me this is how she tells me. She tells me the whole situation. This is why I know what I know. And she gave me the apology that I always wanted. Didn't Very ask for good. it, but she gave me the apology that she that I always desired, but didn't think that I would get. Um, I didn't look at her any different. She was going through whatever she was going through. It just spilled over into business. And, you know, I, I forgave the situation. Very good. You know? And I think out, out, out of that, you know, there was a, a sunshine through that situation. Through that awkward situation and. You know, that's why I tell people, you know, when when there's something traumatic that happens that it molds you into the person that you are today, yeah. it's worth talking about it after you get over it, forget it, not forget it, but you get over it, you forgive with it and you and move, and move forward. Yeah, you move forward with it. You should be able to talk about it because it's something that was pivotal to help you become the person that you are today. Yeah. It made you who you are today. Right. You can't just talk about the all the good things that have happened. You can't talk about just the. Oh, yeah. You know, I had a couple little mo low moments or, you know, little ramen noodles here, you know, low money here. You got to talk about what was the thing that kind of built your character, because as you say, struggle builds character. Mm -hmm. In some facet, whether it be financial, whether it just be grinding working a hard situation to get something better as you did you know you had your own come up where you worked jobs you probably didn't care about didn't want to because you knew that you wanted your own situation but you knew that you had to go through something to get to that other side exactly you know there's a and i wasn't afraid to work for it i wasn't afraid to grind for it isn't that changed today where a lot of people are trying to avoid the grind and they're just trying to just get to it. Well, if you, you, you scared of the work, you might as well be scared of the money. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's something There's a different kind of gratitude when you work your back off and then you finally get paid for it. Mm -hmm. you, it's like that money. That's a different kind of money. It is. And then some people feel some type of way you know you have to tell them well i work for it i work they, some people feel some type of way when they see you get it like you didn't work your ass off for it 
That is strange. That is strange. You know, Mm -hmm. some people, they almost guilt trip you for you being able to enjoy the money that you earned. Mm -hmm. That's strange. I think, um, so like, so like, let me ask you this. So like today, even though, you know, you own your own situation, is there anything in the horizon that you see yourself collaborating, partnering, affiliating with? What is your mindset as far as that goes, given all of what you've been through so far? Uh, yeah, I do see myself collaborating with um, um, another chef uh, that I know of right now. She's got a cookware line, and um, I want to I want to go in and kind of be a be a uh, an apprentice and learn mm-hmm. working under her, and and just kind of eventually branch off and do my own cookware. That's always good. It's always good to surround yourself by somebody that either knows a bit more than you. Mm-hmm. Cause then there's something to take from it. There's something to learn from it. You know, you're not surrounding yourself by someone who has less than you. Right. I make a point to do that. I mean, it's showing it's really, really showing because I mean, you know, not to say that you edit your life on social media and you only show the, the glam sides of things, but you know, you can tell when someone works hard, you can tell when somebody loves what they do, that they put a lot of time, a lot of effort in what they do. Cause to be honest, good work is not cooked up overnight, pun intended. Right. You know? right. It's not, it takes a long time, a lot of grinding, a lot of mistakes. Um, you learning know, from those mistakes, you know, you, you got it down to a science to where, you know, Hey, if there's going to be a so-and-so event and it's got 10 people up in there. Okay. I know what I need. Boom. I know mm-hmm. what I need. Anybody else would think like, are you sure that's enough? Oh no. I know what I need. Right. You know, I'm the same kind of way with painting with a mural. You know, if I know how big the wall is, I'm like, okay, I know how much paint I need. Boom. Right. And it's, it's so fulfilling to know you, to know your stuff so well that it doesn't intimidate you on the the complexity of the project you can just you can go in there show your you know show your ass off do a good job and happily collect that check when you're confident in what you're doing exactly you know um do you see yourself writing a book Hmm. no i hadn't hadn't actually thought about writing um a book about about my experience but um I, I've I have published a, like a poetry book mm. and I've done like I write sketch comedy and things like that I have a you know I do write I haven't thought about writing an actual book about my life story or anything like that well, not yet. That, that, might, that might be a good idea yeah and, and you know I'm, I'm definitely somebody you know that's a reader and weirdly enough as much as social media has put out here there are a lot of people who read and there's a lot of people who read and you know it's something about when you you know you hear the words of a person that somebody would look up to and and respect when you hear a certain side of that person you grow more respect and more appreciation of that person to know that well this person went through something very similar than what i'm going through right now let me read on because i want to see how she made it through you know and 
people can use your blueprint as a type of guide, as an idea that, okay, I'm going through something right now, but I'm reading about this woman and she was able to make it through whatever difficulty that she had, because whatever I'm going through, I don't see no light at the end of the tunnel. Now, I did, I did partner with um, uh, Women on the Rise All Access, and we kind of hmm. gave little snippets of our story um, about some of the things, some of our, ex our experiences mm -hmm. and how we got to where we are right now. So it's me and several other authors um, compiled in a book, and that, that's available on Amazon. But I don't, but I don't have um, like my life story, like what you were talking about, like my whole life story. I don't have a book like that. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, you know the, you know the future's unpredictable. I, you know, I definitely, I'm, I'm going to talk it up. You know, I'm going to talk it up because I'm like, yeah, I can see that. I, I can already see that. You know, hey, whether it be a cookbook, whether it be a. Mm -hmm. A memoir, whatever it might be, whether it even be yeah, an I'd audio. Yeah, like to do a cookbook too. That'd be cool too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, put you know, you got your, you already have your own spin on what you do, things like that, and what you would do different. Cookbooks never get old. And then even if you have an audio book or anything like that, it's like the sky's the limit as to where you can go with your content. That's true. You know, and and as you even know. Even though as tragic as 2020 was, 2020 has birthed a lot of new entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. but it also birthed a lot of new lanes that people have taken where you have the fitness industry making videos, selling their videos online. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lane for cooking, um, even mm -hmm. though, yes, we have YouTube, but it's very generic. You know, it's very cut and paste. Let it be a case where you have somebody who is easy on the eyes, but as well as the video is entertaining. So it's not just they're cooking something. No, they're actually going in and talking about, you know, either telling a story as they're cooking or, you know, it's it's more to it than just food. Right. You know, it, it, whether they get it, life advice or, you know, positive gems as you're cooking food and then of course the visuals look so good and just you know that goes back into the packaging the whole situation that's what youtube lacks you know and things like that so that's why it's like you know this whole covid thing has really created a whole lot of new doors that are just waiting to be opened and it's just a matter of you taking your motivation and just kicking that door in and taking it Mm -hmm. absolutely taking it so but um yeah i want to take a moment and i actually want to i want to hear you know what you have going on currently right now event wise or just project wise you know can you tell the people anything that you have going on right now um well recently i, I worked um worked in production with um uh, film producer terry miles with silverback films and I just was behind the scenes working production. It's a gangster movie that's that's going to be released uh, uh, May of 2021. And um, what else do I have? I'm just doing sketch comedy with some of my uh, comedian friends. Um, and that's about it. Just okay. writing some new sketches and putting that on the 
on the um instagram okay okay and yeah. on um, social media um so where can people find you on instagram you can find me at jennifer janae tom and um jen's cajun bistro is my other page for my my culinary okay. and then on facebook you can find me jennifer janae tom okay i'll make sure that i i tag everything in the show notes so then that way people can connect with you and see the beautifully awesome food that you do have on there it's like it's like a pinterest page of just awesomeness you go there and just keep scrolling and just keep yeah. scrolling you make videos of sizzling food it's just it's it's a setup it's a setup well, thank you thank you thank you so much michael for having me absolutely it has been a pleasure i already learned quite a bit i've taken a, a few gems from you and you know I, I definitely wish you a whole lot of success and where you're at and you know hopefully a whole lot of more doors will open up for you thank you i appreciate that and same to you much success thank you thank you all right ladies and gentlemen you have heard it from here this is burn bridges brought to you by the creative catalyst you all have a good night